Good evening. Does, does Brian do like a core kind of good evening thing over here? I don't know. Does that happen? No? All right. <laughs> well, thanks for coming out tonight, guys. I'm uh, Ben Johnson. I'm one of the elders at Hope. And uh, during this uh, holiday, Christmas, New Year's season, uh, some of the, the non-vocational elders are getting a chance to uh, preach, give our pastors, our preaching pastors, a little break as they carry the, the mantle of, of preaching so well, so much of the, of the year. So giving them a little break. So I'm glad to be here with you guys tonight. Happy New Year in a few hours. Um, I promise I will get you out of here before midnight. So uh, we're going to start. I'm going to introduce myself a little more, uh, tell you a little more who I am. Let's see if I can get is that working for me? There we go. Uh, I'm going to start just giving you guys an end-of-the-year financial update. I know the last few weeks you guys have had kind of uh, a where we're at, and so I get to the opportunity to be the bearer of some really good news tonight. Uh, so here is where we're at as of yesterday. So you can see uh, the December giving there at 360000 which means our remaining need to meet, uh, to kind of make ends meet for the end of the year is, is $16,000 as of, as of yesterday, um, not including what was, what was given this morning at, at Hope Community. If we want to hit our budget number, that number is uh, 116000 Now, there's still a few hours you could, you could give if you want. So uh, I, I think uh, if I understand it right, uh, Brian or Tim, you can correct me, but if you want to have it still be counted as 2017 giving. Online just has to be done before midnight, and if you write a paper check, I think you guys still know what those are, um, just date it 2017 and not 2018 and get that to the appropriate people. So uh, I just want to take a minute and thank God for that, because one of the things that uh, I know in my life, I came to Hope as a uh, college freshman at the U of M, uh, when, when it was very tiny in 1997, and my first service was in the parking lot at Stadium Village Church. It was a parking lot service, and there's probably around this many people there. So this is kind of sweet for me. So uh, to come back and, and just see, uh, be able to see what God's doing, uh, this, this location and around the city is really exciting for me. So I'm just going to pray and thank God for how he's opened people's hearts and, and close the year in that, and then we'll, we'll get into the, the sermon. So you, will you just bow your heads with me quick? Heavenly Father, we, we just uh, thank you, God. You, you are uh, Jehovah Jireh. You're our provider. You're the giver of all good things, not just finances, Lord. You give us life. You give us um, freedom in you, um, and we just don't take any of that for granted, God. You, you meet all our needs in every way. Um, you give us exactly what we need each day because uh, you're the owner of everything. And so we praise you that you have put it on the hearts of the people of hope to, to give and keep the ministry going. I know how the ministry blesses me and my family and so many others, God. And so it's just exciting to see how you are continuing to provide for us, Lord. Um, we pray you'd continue to do that in 2018 for, for Hope Downtown and here at Lower Town as well. God, we, we honor you tonight and just want to recognize the, the way you open people's hearts to give. And we just pray you'd bless each and every person um, who, who did that, God. In Jesus' name, amen. All right. As Tim said earlier, we are in a message series on uh, the Christmas carol, O Holy Night. And... Uh, I'm assuming you guys had, uh, we're in week three of it, so tonight is a, a thrill of hope, a weary world rejoices. And this is a picture of my family. 
They're right here if you want a, a, a different view. They're kind of obvious. I think they're the only kids in the room. There, there's a baby back there, right? You guys brought your baby. I saw one. Saw, saw a couple of babies. Is he on the floor still? No. Uh, so this is my wife, Brooke, and then uh, Courtney's on the right there, and then Phil and Ian is in front with the big smile and the glasses. And I'm going to tell you a little bit about them as we go, because one of the things I, I want to do tonight is incorporate um, some story into, into uh, my sermon. And, and what we, one of the things we love doing as a family is reading stories. And so we're going we're gonna to unpack stories. All three kids, I have the blessing of being a, a teacher at the school my kids go to. So I work as a high school math teacher at Hope Academy in Minneapolis. Hope Academy is also one of our partner ministries at, at Hope Community. And our, our mission at Hope Academy is to, to serve the youth of the city with a remarkable Christ-centered education. So, so Hope Academy is a, a place that... Uh, teaches kids not just academics at, at a high level, but also um, strives to give them the gospel each and every day. So I get the, the joy of uh, pastoring young people through teaching math. Not everyone would put those, those two things together, but, but I try to. So this is also about the size of uh, a couple of my uh, math classes, a little bit, little, bit, little, bit, little bit bigger, but it's exciting for me. So we're going to talk a little bit tonight about, here's the, the kind of lineup we guys have had. So the last two weeks... Um, Long lay the world in sin and error pining led off the, the sermon series. And then Christmas Eve, uh, I, don't, I don't think that happened. Did that happen here? I wasn't. Okay, just did both. So Brian did both two weeks ago. And uh, I was at, at Hope Downtown, and Pastor Steve talked about his, his, uh, the soul felt its worth and used an old car that he had that was really, really junky to compare how, how he he. Uh, value or someone valued that in the same way that God values us. So tonight I'm going to talk through a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And then next week um, you guys will have uh, Stan or Mark here. Stan Oster, one of our other elders, is going to be preaching on for yonder breaks a new and glorious morn. So tonight, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. And I told you guys that I, I love stories. So one of the stories I like going on right now, and one of the ways I thought I could maybe take this sermon series was, was this. After the, the Vikings win today, and I hopefully have a few Vikings fans in the room. Yeah. Um, my sister-in-law, um, my, Tim is my brother. Tim, back there. Uh, my sister-in-law, Jess, is a giant Packer fan, and she has been baiting him and I, just saying, it's going to be really nice when you guys finally win a Super Bowl this year, just kind of baiting us into believing. But as seasoned Vikings fans, we kind of know better because of moments like this that happened a few years ago, or I'm old enough to remember 1998 really well, the 15-1 season. So I've been through a lot of heartbreak and weariness as a Vikings fan, um, and, and this year has involved some rejoicing. So I'm hoping it'll end a little more like this. This year is what I'm, I'm hoping for. Uh, but we'll see. I, I'm, I'm always hedging my bets. So here's the song. I'm just going to read the first verse, uh, is what we've been, been preaching through, and then will get into what we're talking about tonight. Oh, holy night, the stars are brightly shining. It is the night of the dear Savior's birth. Long lay the world in sin and error pining, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. And then tonight, a thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. So, 
One of the things I, I just mentioned earlier, so I love story, you guys, and I think God, Aaron mentioned it in the, in the announcements earlier that the, the Bible and God's message to us is really a grand story, right, about mankind's fall or creation, mankind's fall, how God redeemed us, and then how he's, he's going to restore everything at the end of time, right? And so one of my favorites is A Christmas Carol. So I'm, I'm right now reading with my, my older two. I, I had a hard time because I, I had so many different stories I wanted to bring into this. I was like, well, I could bring some Narnia into it, and I could bring, could bring some Lord of the Rings, and I had some good quotes. And then, and then my wife, Brooke, was like, nope, just stick with one, one story. So I, I, you guys can thank her when we get out of here on time tonight. Uh, so we're going to stick with Christmas Carol because it's Christmas. And I, I love this story. I think it's pretty familiar. But I've had the opportunity to kind of have it in front of me a lot this Christmas. So uh, we, we read through it a little bit every year. But uh, a tradition we have is to watch the, the Muppet Christmas Carol is probably, other than Elf, our two family favorite Christmas movies. So Muppet Christmas Carol. I also had the opportunity to go to the Guthrie and see it not once but twice this year. If you haven't been to the Guthrie at Christmas time to see A Christmas Carol, I would highly recommend it. The, the set and the, the acting and stuff is, is just incredible. Actually, the, the guy on the left there is the guy who still currently plays uh, nephew Fred in, in the Guthrie's production. Um, and then uh, there's a movie that came out this year called The Man Who Invented Christmas that's kind of the backstory of Charles Dickens' uh, inspiration for, for writing it. And I, I'm not going to spoil that for you, but I would recommend that, that movie as well. So I'm going to use Christmas Carol, and particularly the, the character of Scrooge, to kind of compare the, the thrill of hope, the weary world rejoices. One of the things I think can get mistaken, I, uh, when I went and saw the, the, the play with my high schoolers, uh, they were asking them, what, what's the theme of the play? What's the theme of the play? And, you know, they give the kids a chance to talk, and some of the actors were on stage as kind of a post-play discussion. And some of the actors, I was just, like, kind of disappointed because they were like, well, it's about, it's about just being nice at, at Christmas and doing, doing good things and Christmas spirit. And those are all elements of it. But ultimately, I'd say A Christmas Carol is a song, or a song, a story about the salvation of, of Scrooge. It's a redemption story. And so we're going to focus on that aspect of it tonight. So I'm going to break it into kind of three parts. We're going to first talk about the, the weary world. And then we're going to go into the, the thrill of hope. And then the, the part of our response of rejoicing is kind of how we're going to frame it tonight. So the weary world. I'm going to look at a couple of scriptures here. First one is in Romans 1, 18 to 20. And it says, The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all the godlessness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. Since one may be known about God is plain to them because God has made it plain to them. For since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made, so that people are without excuse. So God made the world in such a way that if we go back to Genesis and look at the garden, we can see that God made it perfectly. And he made us to have perfect relationship with him and enjoy that. But we sinned, right? Adam and Eve sinned. Eve picked the fruit. Adam stood there and watched as, as she did it and then took part himself and blamed her. And sin entered the world. 
And the world became cursed, right? And so even though God shows his power and his divine nature through creation, creation is fractured because of sin, and it's broken. And so the world is weary, right? And we see that. I'm not going to go into all the different ways we see that, but I, I would hope that you guys would agree that we live in a world that has a lot of weariness, and we, we see evidences of the, of the fall and the curse in, in many ways. And so here's a, a quote by John Stott from his, his book, Answers in Romans. Uh, for what Paul says here is that through general revelation, people can know God's power, deity, and glory, not his saving grace through Christ. And that this knowledge is enough not to save them, but rather to condemn them because they do not live up to it. Instead, they suppress the truth by their wickedness, verse 18, so that they are without excuse. It is against this willful human rebellion that God's wrath is revealed. So I chose that because I think that that phrase, willful rebellion, that we have a willful rebellion against God. We, we chose sin, right? And so we need rescuing. We need a rescuer. Second verse that supports that is in Ephesians 2, 1 to 2. As for you, you are dead in your transgressions and sin in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. And Ephesians 2.12 also says, Remember that at that time you were separate from Christ, excluded from citizenship in Israel, and foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. So we're going to bring Christ into this in a minute, but I want us just to sit in that for just a moment. We're going to, we're going to compare it to Scrooge as well. But, but just sit in that for a moment that because of the curse, we have a separateness from Christ that we cannot mend, right? That even though we can look around, we can recognize that the world was created in a divine way and that God is powerful and mighty, we can't make our way back to him by what we do, Right? So we need a rescuer. We needed a rescuer. Mankind needed a savior. And so we're all excluded from citizenship in, in heaven because of that. So if we compare that with Scrooge, got a couple of my, my favorite pictures there. So if you guys remember, the, I'm just going to set up the story for you. If you haven't watched it or read it for a while, refresh your memory. So, so Scrooge is a grump, right? He's a grade A uh, nose to the grindstone, money grubbing, fist clenched kind of guy. All right? And one of my favorite scenes in the Muppet version, you guys know Bunsen and Beaker, right? Everybody? They're the, they're the characters that in, in this ver version are the, the ones who are going and collecting money for the poor. Okay? And, and Scrooge asked them, are, are, the, are there no... Uh, pr uh, uh, workhouses for them? Are there no prisons that can take care of them? Oh, plenty of those, sir. There are plenty of those. Well, then why don't they go there and get that? And they say, well, some would rather die. And Scrooge's response is, well, then they better do it and decrease the surplus population. That's the kind of guy he is, right? Like the poor should just die and take care of their, they're a problem in his eyes. And so, you know, Bunsen gets the, oh my, oh dear, oh dear, right? And, and Beaker's, me, 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 
right? Like, it's, it's bad. And, and they, Scrooge slams the door in their face, and, and his, his worker, Cratchit, is there, and he won't put more coal on the fire, and he pays him miserably and yells at him and, and all these things. And Fred comes in, his nephew, and invites him to Christmas, and Scrooge goes on a big rant about how Christmas is a poor excuse for picking a man's pocket every 25th of December. And he begrudgingly gives Cratchit the day off, but turns down wholeheartedly his nephew's invitation to Christmas dinner, right? So that sets the stage for the kind of guy Scrooge is. So if we look at him, he's weary, right? He's weary like we are in that, but he doesn't know it, right? He doesn't know it. He, he's going about his, his days and he's He's continuing in the patterns that he has established in his life that have gotten him to this miserable point. But then he has a visitor, right? And his visitor is Statler and Waldorf. In the book, it's just one, but you got to have both hecklers if you're going to have one, right? So it's Marley, Jacob Marley, his partner, who was in many ways like like Scrooge, right? And has been dead for seven years. So he gets a visit by a ghost. And Marley basically tells him that unless you change, you are going to end up far worse off than I am. So Marley's fate, because he was so selfish on earth, is to kind of roam the earth and look at all the good he could have done. And because he's dead now, is unable to do. So he's tortured uh, for, for the rest of time. So here's a, here's a quote from there. So this is Scrooge talking to his partner, Marley. And he says, you are fettered, said Scrooge, trembling. Tell me why. And Marley replies, I wear the chain I forged in life, replied the ghost. I made it link by link and yard by yard. I girded it of my own free will, and of my own free will, I wore it. Is this pattern strange to you? Scrooge trembled more and more. Or would you know, pursued the ghost, the weight and length of the strong coil you bear yourself? It is a ponderous chain. Jacob, he said imploringly, old Jacob Marley, tell me more. Speak comfort to me, Jacob. Speak comfort to me. I have none to give, replied the ghost. And so the story goes on, and to make a long story short, I'm not going to tell you the entire Scrooge story, right? But there are three other ghosts that visit Scrooge, and what each one does is takes him to parts of his life, past, present, and future, and they're trying to thaw out his hard heart, right? And so what slowly you see happen during the story is him start to realize the cho- how the choices he's made in his life have led him to the point he's at, and then what his future is going to look like if he continues. And it's not, it's a, not a pretty picture, right? So the ghost of Christmas past shows him, uh, for instance, a, a girl that he was in love with, that he was engaged with, and how his love of money caused his heart to grow cold toward her. And he started to, instead of loving her and wanting to marry her, he started to worry and obsess about having enough finances to take care of himself every year. And that became more important. And she actually uses the word idol at one point. says, another idol has replaced me. And so, so it's replaced by that love of money. Ghost number two, kind of the big guy in the middle there, is the ghost of Christmas present. And what he does, the thing that really turns Scrooge is a visit to the Cratchits. Okay? The Cratchit's house, so Bob Cratchit, his, his uh, clerk, has a son named Tiny Tim who is sick. 
And the relationship between the father and son is very beautiful. And Scrooge starts to realize, like, I don't pay Cratchit anything. And here his son is, is dying. And the Cratchit's home is also a place where they don't have much, but there's much love, right? There's a lot of warmth and love expressed. And so he begins to see how things could be if he had a change of heart. And so by the time he gets done with ghost number two, he's, he's realized a lot of things about where, where he's gotten. And so he gets the, the visit from the Grim Reaper ghost, ghost of Christmas yet to come on the right there. And at this point, he's like, I just want a chance to change. What can I do? And so he says to him, and I titled it, Is There Any Hope? Good spirit, he pursued, as down upon the ground. So, so let me back up for a second. Up to this point, this ghost has showed him his future, which includes Tiny Tim dying, Tiny Tim dying, and his own death, and how no one was there to mourn Scrooge. In fact, uh, his his maid stole the bedclothes off his bed to sell them, and no one came to his funeral, okay? There, there's two businessmen that kind of joke, well, maybe I go to his funeral, for, funeral if lunch is provided, right? Like, that's the only, the only way they're, they're going to go. So he sees what his life has wrought, zero happiness, not only for him, but for the people around him. And he wants the, the chance to change. He says, good spirit he pursued as he sat down upon the ground. He fell before it. So he's before his own gravestone now. Your nature intercedes for me and pities me. Assure me that I yet may change these shadows you have shown me by an altered life. So he's come to the point where he needs, <clears throat> he needs a rescuer. And that gets us to a thrill of hope. All right? So you can't have hope unless you realize that you're hopeless, right? You, hope has to be put in something, or in our case, as believers, as followers of Christ, in someone, right? The person of Christ. So the thrill of hope in Scripture comes, and we see it. This is like, you guys know birth announcements? Like, expecting parents will send out, like, after a couple months, they'll say, here's our new one, and they weighed this much, here's their birthday and the time they were born. We're happy they're, they're in the world and celebrate with us, right? This is like a, a birth announcement, but it's like 700 years before. So it's pretty premature, but it's, it's happening a while ago. So in Isaiah 9, 6, and 7, familiar passage here, it says, for us, for, uh, To us a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders. And he will be called, these four things here, Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So I'll go to verse sec seven in a second, but I want you guys to notice there uh, the titles that are given to this, this Messiah, this Savior that's coming. Those are God titles, right? Like wonderful counselor, mighty God, actually says God, everlasting Father and Prince of Peace. This is the one who is to come. And it says, of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over his kingdom establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness from that time on and forever. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. And I think we can, we can kind of focus on the, the, the parts that are familiar about Christ there, but the part that was really standing out to me as I, as I thought about this passage this season is that last sentence there. The zeal of the Lord Almighty will accomplish this. That it was God's plan to send his son, Right? that it wasn't anything we had done, anything that we had uh, merited to deserve 
Christ being incarnated as a little baby in a manger in Bethlehem, right? Born to a, a poor Jewish family and, and changing the world. It's a different kind of king. We have a, we have a movie that we love to watch uh, together at Christmas. It's called, uh, it's, you guys know Phil Vischer, the VeggieTales guy? Anybody? Anybody? A few people, VeggieTales fans, thank you. So he has another series that he did after he kind of handed off VeggieTales um, through some different things called What's in the Bible? And they have one that's called uh, Why Do They Call It Christmas? And one of the things that, that we, we love in there is seeing how God's story, how they, they call it, uh, what do they call it? The upside down kingdom, right? There's a character in there, this Chester Wiggett. I'm, I'm doing popsicle stick theater here, guys. So it's a popsicle stick character, Chester Wiggett, and he does, it's called the Upside Down Kingdom. And all the characters on there are like gathered around and they're like, this sounds like, Upside Down Kingdom sounds stupid. And then he kind of unveils the, the story of the incarnation and how upside down it is, right? All the expectations that we would have of a savior would be someone who would come in power and pomp and be born in a palace to, to rich parents who had power and wealth, right? God flips it all upside down, telling us that this is going to be a different kind of kingdom. I, I was thinking, someone was talking to me about, you know, the God who can pull all the levers and orchestrate it so that Caesar issues a decree that a census is going to be taken. So the whole purpose of that census is to get these two people to the right spot so a prophecy can be fulfilled, and yet he also orchestrates it so there's not one, the same guy can't open up one hotel room in Bethlehem, right? Like, it's, no, it's all part of his plan. God's doing something there, and that this is a different kind of king, it's a different kind of kingdom. He's coming as a servant, right? And so he's coming in a different kind of way. And so that's the thrill of hope. Ephesians 2, so we read in verse 12 that said we are separate from God, aliens or, or excluded from the kingdom. Verse 13 says, but now in Christ, you who were once far away have been brought near by the blood of Christ. Make sure I'm in the right spot there. Okay, I had 316. I cut it to just 13. <laughs> so we are far away. We are excluded from the kingdom, but because of the incarnation, because of ultimately Christ's death on the cross, he came to die the purpose of Christmas is Good Friday and Easter, right? He came to die so that we could be brought near. So I don't want to move past that too quickly, that the purpose of Christmas is, is God with us, right? Emmanuel, God with us, God come down so that we could be bought back by what Christ did. All right, so going back to Scrooge then, he gets this second chance, just like we do, Right? And so he's pleading with the ghost. He's begging him to give him a second chance, saying, I will live in the past, present, and future. I will keep Christmas in my heart. And he's sobbing and sobbing with his eyes closed, and he wakes up, and he's in his bed. And it's Christmas Day. And he says, I haven't missed it. The ghosts have done it all in one night. They can do whatever they want, right? They're the, they're the ghosts. So they've, they've saved him, and this picture is of him thrusting open his windows and yelling down to the boy to go get the giant turkey. And, and to, he's handing out money, right, to everybody because he's so excited. He wants to make up for all the time he's wasted, right? And so he's got this new hope. Star Wars reference, too, there, right? He's got this new hope 
that he didn't have before, right? Scrooge is a weary, weary, miserable soul, but he's been set free now because he's realized that he can live his life in a new way. And so here's a a quote. I don't know what to do, cried Scrooge, laughing and crying in the same breath and making a perfect, uh, perfect, like, Lao Cohen, sorry, Lao Cohen, of himself with his stockings. I am as light as a feather. I'm as happy as an angel. I'm as merry as a schoolboy. I'm as giddy as a drunken man. A Merry Christmas to everybody. A Happy New Year to all the world. Hello there. Whoop, hello, right? That's excitement. That's, that's the thrill of hope that he's experiencing in this new chance he has to live. All right. So I have this quote that I, this is going away from it, but I found this in, is actually Relevant Magazine had an article called, uh, go one slide forward and then I'm going to try to go back here. So it's called Why Hope Isn't Just Optimism that I thought really tied this idea together nicely. So I'm going to read it. Uh, Our health may fail. Our relationships and careers may run off the rails. Armies and economies and nations may collapse under the weight of their power lust. But Christian hope lives because our Redeemer lives. Hope says God has not abandoned us in the world. His story is that he pursues us, dwells in us, intervenes for us, and will not forget us when he finally determines to set the world to rights. There will be tears in our eyes, but he will wipe them away. There will be death and decay, but he will cause newness and resurrection to spring forth. While the grave remains for now, it's hope that erases its victory. And while death remains for now, It's hope that has wiped out its sting. So the incarnation does all that, right? Uh, Just today, we're at home, and and Brooke, my wife, had a, we have a friend who is going through miserable, miserable migraine headaches. And she's tried lots of things to stop them and has been, uh, like, doctors, diets, all the, all the things we could, we could try to make changes medically, and she's still having them. And trying to cope with that, raise her family, be mom, be, be wife, be everything she's, she's called to be. And that's painful every day, right? And, and yet, she has hope. Um, I have another friend who's, who's going through just an extreme... Uh, her body's basically allergic to the world. Like, there's, there's seven things on the planet that she can eat. And she, she lives in kind of a bubble, almost, because she, she can't be around things. That's her existence. And yet, she has hope because of this incarnation, because of what Christ has done. And so, there will be tears in her eyes, but he will wipe them away. There will be death and decay, but he will cause newness and resurrection to spring. Okay? So Christmas is about this newness that we get. It's the thrill of hope. So what can our response be to this, right? So we, we live in a weary world. All our souls are weary, but God, right? But God came, came down and, and saved us. So what can our response be to that? Joy, right? And we see that. In, in the scriptures, and we see that in Scrooge's life, right? Where he's talking about being as giddy as a schoolboy or as a drunken man, right? And, and so in the, the response, the, the third lyric there is, the weary world does what? 
it rejoices because of the incarnation, because Christ has come to set us free. So our response is infinite joy. So in Romans uh, 15, it says, Accept one another then, just as Christ accepted you in order to bring praise to God. For I tell you that Christ has become a servant of the Jews on behalf of God's truth, so that the promises made to the patriarchs might be confirmed, and moreover, that the Gentiles might glorify God for his mercy. Therefore, I will praise you among the Gentiles. I will sing the praises of your name. It's quoting some Old Testament here. Again, it says, Rejoice, you Gentiles, with his people. And again, praise the Lord, all you Gentiles. Let the people extol him. And again, Isaiah says, The root of Jesse will spring up, one who will arise to rule over the nations. In him, the Gentiles will hope. May the God of hope fill you, hope community, with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So we're wrapping up 2017, right? And New Year is kind of a new opportunity in, in many ways, right? To, to kind of reset, to rethink, to pause and ask, what, God, what might God have for me in this new year? What might he want me to do? And my prayer for, for myself, for my family, for us as a, a church body is, is verse uh, 13 there. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the response of a changed man. So here's the, the conclusion of Christmas Carol. Really for a man, so Scrooge has a laugh, and it says, really for a man who had been out of practice for so many years, it was a splendid laugh, a most illustrious laugh, the father of a long, long line of brilliant laughs. And then it goes on a little later, and this is the, the conclusion of the story. Scrooge was better than his word. He did it all, and infinitely more. And to Tiny Tim, who did not die, he was a second father. He became as good a friend, as good a master, and as good a man as the old, good old city ever knew. And so my question for us tonight then to close, gospel response, will your joy in Jesus bring the hope of the gospel to a weary world this year? I'm going to pray to close us, and then uh, Tim will come back up and we'll have off uh, communion. Please bow your heads. Jesus, we, we didn't deserve what you did for us. The way you set aside your, your godhood and all the privileges and all the, the rights and all the glory that comes with that and how you humbled yourself to take on human form and be made in our likeness. And yet you didn't hold on to that, um, but you became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And therefore, your Father exalted you to the highest place and gave you the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee will bow in heaven on earth and under the earth and every tongue confess that you are Lord. So can we do that? Help us to do that in our lives, that we would bend our knee to you, that we put all our hope and all our confidence in you and that you'd make us new people day by day. We love you, Lord, and we, we just give you uh, the close of this year and the beginning of this next year. God, may you do many things in us. May you fill us with hope. May you make us hope to a weary world that needs to hear from you. In Jesus' name, amen.